The following episode contains major plot points of movies. A spoiler warning is advised. This episode also contains topics that may be disturbing for some viewers, so viewer discretion is also advised. Hello and welcome to another uh, episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. How's it going and happy Easter to everyone? Well, right now we're recording this on Easter Sunday. It won't be posted until the following Sunday. And I want to apologize now if we sound like crap. We went to a show last night mm-hmm. and we're screaming our heads off at some of the bands that performed last night. Yeah. It so was, we kind of sound like garbage today. It was fun. I mean, I know it our, was fun. Our, 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 not horses, our voices sound a little hoarse right now, but, uh, yeah, it was a it was a local show that a friend of our friends of ours were celebrating their tenth anniversary of being a band together. So yeah, and also speaking of that too, my my old band Grease Creepers actually just got back together, mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing a show in two weeks from yesterday on April thirtieth at the Bug Jar, and we're opening for Joe Buck yourself, who was the bass player for Hank Williams the Third, and we're playing with Wyatt Coyne. So it should be a fun show. Yeah, and then not to mention, whatever is going on with my ear, like I have an inner ear pain, which is just causing my jaw to get all tight and stiff and hurtful, Like, and then now it's spreading down to my throat, which is causing a lot of tension there. So I'm not feeling great, but we're going to power through it. And like I mentioned last week, we um, are going to try to do more conversation episodes, so I thought... We haven't done this franchise yet. We did a remake debate about the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but we never talked about the franchise as a whole. We never went into the originals. Yeah, we never did a speed review on the franchise itself. So we are going to do that today. And because there are so many movies, I mean, in total, there's nine. And I am counting The New Nightmare and Freddy vs. Jason and the remake. So Mm. there are nine in total we will be discussing. I'm going to make this a two-parter. So we're going to go through movies one through five today and then cover the last four in the next week's episode. And it should be fun, so... Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this, so... Yeah, me too. Should we get right down into it? Yeah, I mean, I also picked this one in particular because I know it's one of Colin's favorite franchises. And oh, yeah. I know it would give him an opportunity to talk more about his favorite horror films, so... Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite franchises. If I had to choose between the Friday the 13th or any other franchise compared to this, none of them can really beat this. Even if there are some pretty bad sequels, I still think they're all pretty entertaining for the most part. Yeah, my even my sister said yesterday, we hung out with her at my mom's house, and she was like, the first one was good. She's like, all the sequels, though, were terrible. Yeah. And I kind of agree. Like, I know Dream, War- Dream Warriors is a popular one that it's fans the best, like. It's the best one out of the whole series. It's the know. best one, but then it's like, it all just kind of gets... We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it when we get there. But um, do you yeah. want to get started on it? Yeah, let's go with the first one, Nightmare on Elm Street, okay. 1984. Yep, released on November 16th, 1984. has a runtime of an hour and 41 minutes. Directed by Wes Craven. It has an IMDb score of 7.5 out of 10. It stars Heather Langenkamp, Johnny Depp, Robert Englund, John Saxon, and Amanda Weiss. And I didn't know that actually Heather Langenkamp is a like officiant. She can officiate weddings and stuff. Yeah, I wish, wow, I wish she did our wedding. But our wedding was nice, but I did see that she had officiated James A. Janice and Chelsea. She did, didn't she? Yeah. Oh wow. Their wedding. I was like, you lucky fucks. You like know, I gotta say for the film like this, it didn't have anything at first. It was just a very small budget movie for a company that wasn't really big budget either. And it had a bunch of big names in the first film. Yeah. You know, even ones that and were starting to become bigger after this. Yeah. And the synopsis for the movie goes, A group of teens fall prey to Freddy Krueger, a disfigured midnight mangler who preys on the kids in their dreams, which, in turn, kills them in reality. Do you want to go first? With how I feel about this? Yeah. What's your general review? My general view of this is, as a kid, when I first saw this movie, I think I was like, what, 13? Mm-hmm. And I saw this in my old house in Salisbury, Maryland. And we were usually going to our usual spots for going to get rent movies. Like, we would go to Hollywood Video, or we go to Blockbuster. And I've always heard about these movies as a kid. So I was like, you know what? 
I want to try to watch, I want to watch these movies. I want to see how I feel about them. And I love about these movies, especially old horror films, is that in the VHS boxes, they still had those classic artwork that felt like pieces of art from the 80s. And they had that original um, uh, box of the um, Nightmare on Elm Street photo with her in the bed mm-hmm. and that creepy, like, uh, f- uh, thing of Freddy, what it was supposed to be in the background, but it was you, like a skeleton almost. Looking. You admired the poster art, yeah, and that's what I saw with that movie. Yeah. But this was like a remastered version of that movie, but with the original poster art on the VHS still. So I brought it home with me and I watched it. And I was like, I thought it was going to be more goofy than I thought it would be, but the first one's very, it's very serious in in a lot of ways. Like in certain ways, it was it was pretty serious. I mean, Freddie wasn't the the charismatic you know murderer that we all know and love after number three. Yeah. You know he was in between one and the next movie after this one. Like he's pretty menacing. Yeah. He's menacing. He has a perfect voice. Like he can go high pitch one second, and it can go really really low the next. Low and gravelly, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I loved about the first one with Freddy is that, you know, I love his humor, but I love his seriousness, that what made the Nightmare on Elm Street movie perfect is that him, he was being intimidating. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And I love the special effects about it. Like, especially at a time when special effects was still coming out and still doing new things with special effects, especially practical or whatever, I love the scene where... Heather is trying to sleep in the bed of her best friend's house, and the um, the image of Freddie trying to go through the wall to oh, yeah. try to touch her, and then she wakes up, and the minute she wakes up, she can almost see him going through, but she didn't really think of anything of it. Yeah, because she thought it was a dream. And I thought that was so cool. I was like, man, this is great for, like, 1984. Yeah. You know? I thought Ghostbusters had great special effects, but literally it was perfect. Anything else you want to add into it? Like, what did you Um, like about the movie? I liked about the movie is that it was like, the characters were innocent, but there was still a little bit of a devious involved. Yeah. And like, you know, the kids were trying to like, they didn't know what the hell was going on. And they wanted to figure out everything of what was going on between them and just how all this was just coming about. Yeah, because I think the first one really... It lays out a general idea of what is kind of happening, like how this is all starting, because, I mean, we get to learn through Nancy's mom what happened to Freddy, like how he became the monster that he was, what he was like in his life before death, Mm -hmm. and how his death is affecting the group of teenagers today oh yeah because he wanted revenge on the parents so better way to get revenge on them is to get after their kids which i never I, understand that yeah because i mean that makes even less sense to me because it's like first of all they all knew that you were a bad person in life yeah and you knew that what you were doing was wrong and evil and malicious and you got your comeuppets by having them Trap you in a boiler room and burning you alive. I feel like that's justice enough. Why come back and stir up even more shit out of, quote, revenge? Because they got their revenge. You don't need to get yours. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know. But is there anything you want to add? Like, well, like, how about this? Give me something that was, you didn't like about the movie. I was going to say Johnny Depp was really, really cute in that movie. Like, I'm sure he was. <laughs> Which, it's interesting that you bring that up, because currently, as we're recording this, he's going through his... A lot of... Uh, a court, he's go, he's in court right now with his ex-wife, Amber Heard. Yeah, which, justice for Johnny Depp, I mean, that kind of sucks for him. And yeah, everything's but they're going, going through mutual abuse between each other. It's not just her, but also well, him, too. Well, she's not like, exactly a nice person. I can and tell. You can always tell by the someone thing. the way they look. Here's the thing. She... She made his life a living hell. Oh, I bet. And I'm sure that her her playing a very negative role in his life is probably what led him to cope unhealthily the way he's doing. Yeah. But as far as like him being abusive, that's all her saying that. 
And you can't really believe everything she says, especially when other people have come forward and say, yeah, Amber Heard is a total monster and she's a total garbage person and she's a pathological liar who's just making stuff up to Mm. gain sympathy for when all this comes to court, which is exactly what she's doing now. Huh. Which sucks. It does suck. And yeah. I feel bad for Johnny. I yeah, mean, it sucks for him. I, I do feel bad. I mean, because I was always a big Johnny Depp fan growing up, and I always thought he did such great, memorable roles and stuff. And mm-hmm. I know this one is definitely not going to be memorable for him to go through all this shit. Yeah, but how? going back to Nightmare on Elm Street. But anyway, yeah, let's go back to what that. What is something that you didn't like about the movie? Huh. That's actually a really hard question. Mm-hmm. I mean... I don't know. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say because I really didn't try to look in the aspect of what I didn't like about it. Yeah. I more liked about what they did for the movie and stuff and everything. Um, I don't know. That's a good question that I really never thought of. I mostly just I mostly like the movie. I genuinely love this movie. Yeah. And it's, and it's, even even you brought it up to me before we started recording. That New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by the success of this film, which was jokingly nicknamed The House That Freddy Built. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was an interesting fun fact to share. I do have another one I'll bring up later, but I just wanted to get your general idea of how you felt about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share? Um... No, not really. Other right. than that, um, you want to move to a second? <clears throat> well, I haven't given my review yet. Oh, what's your review? So my general review of this movie was that I like the concept, especially when inspired by true events. It's a pretty interesting story. That is true. It is inspired by a true story. Yeah. For its time, it used some practical effects to provide some disturbing visuals and creative kill scenes. However, I wouldn't say that this is my favorite or like favorite of franchises, Due to the cheesy one-liners it's and its simplistic endings. Mm-hmm. Like, all, after all that trouble that Nancy went okay, through to try to kill him. Yeah, they did have alternate endings for that movie. Like, a bunch yeah. of them. And yeah. they had to choose the one where they took the inflatable mother through the window. <laughs> yeah, and I even put, like, easily outwittable villain. Which, like I said, after all the hard work she did to try to trap him. And then to come to the realization at the end of the movie that... I don't need to give you a single thought in order for you to keep going on. You know, like, to to forget about Freddy is to put an end to this whole legacy or legend. They could have done that from the very beginning, but... They could have, but they didn't. They didn't. And even when she came to that realization, like, at the end after... She defeats Freddy, and Freddy kills her mom, and she goes to walk out of the bedroom, and it's like a bright sunny day, and her mom's alive, and her friends are back. And and her mom's not doing alcohol anymore, or drinking alcohol. Yeah, and you think that that's the end, which is strange, because considering that the fact that they all died (laughs) brutally, Mm -hmm. it's like, how would they come back? And then, like, of course, you find out it's not really the end. Freddy is still going to be there. He's still going to be lingering around, fucking shit up. Yeah. You know? He's, he's like a parasite that doesn't leave. Yeah, I personally give this movie a 5.5 out of 10. Okay. That's just me. But that's you. I'm not I'm not going to judge you on that, but yeah. And then my second fun fact for this was Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend at the time was credited for writing Freddy's nursery rhyme. Really? Yeah. Huh. Isn't that cool? That is pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. It'd be like if I was directing a movie and you were, like, the composer of the music score. Mm. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That would be sweet. So do you want to move on to the next one? Yes, please. All right. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Release date was November 1st of 1985. Has an IMDb score of 5.5 out of 10, so it didn't do quite as well as the last one. Yeah. Has a runtime of an hour and 37 minutes, and is directed by Jack Shoulder. Yeah. It stars Mark Patton, Robert Englund, Kim Myers, Robert Rustler, or Rustler. It's Rustler. And Clue Gulager. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the name. But it's G-U-L-A-G-E-R. Yeah, I was actually just watching a movie with Robert Russell too. It was uh, his Stephen King movie he did, Sometimes They Come Back. 
mm-hmm. and that's a great movie. If you ever get a chance to watch that movie, I highly recommend it. It's a good one. And then the synopsis goes: Jesse Walsh, Jesse Walsh, moves with his family into the home of the lone survivor from a series of attacks by a dream stalking monster, Freddy Krueger. There, Jesse is bedeviled by nightmares and inexplicably violent impulses. Yeah. Your I, thoughts. What are your thoughts? This movie growing up as a kid, I actually didn't like when I was younger. I mean, it mm-hmm. was it was a lot different than I thought. I thought it was like its own different movie but besides the whole Nightmare franchise. I thought it was like its own movie, kind of like how you see Halloween 3, like it's, a, it's like it's its own movie compared mm-hmm. to the franchise. But I got to say as I got older, I appreciate the uh, Nightmare uh, Part 2 more and more. For what it was. Mm-hmm. It was different. It was interesting. It was a little bit colorful. It was um, it was funny in parts. It was serious in parts for sure. I felt like Freddy was still menacing in this one. Especially his makeup job. I love his makeup job in this movie. Because he looks so crazy looking. Like Not when, only does he look crazy looking. He looks a little bit more grotesque than the first one. Yeah. He looks like he haven't had coffee like in days. And he wanted a cup of coffee. He looks like that guy. Yeah, and I'm reading some trivia facts about it on IMDb. But Robert Englund has stated that Freddy's Revenge is his least favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But yeah, that makeup job with Freddy, oh, I love that makeup job. Because it just, yeah, like you said, it just looks so scary. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And then after that, they were kind of like, I think that's what they were doing with the makeup. They were kind of seeing what they were trying to go for with Freddy. Like, trying to see what would be the perfect makeup job so they can actually try to keep, like, you know, keep it the same way. But I know after this movie, they gave him the the Freddy makeup that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But anyway, with this movie, I, I do love the message of this movie, especially with um, Mark Patton, what he's going through. It's just like, I feel like there's a more subliminal message with this movie. And, mm-hmm. and there is. I mean, I don't know if I should talk about it, but... Well, in my review, I wrote down, the grotesque effects still hold up, but yeah. after watching the Scream Queen documentary, I do not, absolutely do not, support a movie that treats its actors that poorly. Mm-hmm. I also feel that just like Halloween sequels, it comes up with asinine plots to keep the story going. And, and Which, don't yeah. get me wrong, I love Halloween. I always stated that it's my favorite horror movie of all time. The sequels can kind of drag mm-hmm. on. Especially like, number two. Well, the second Halloween movie wasn't too bad. Third could be a standalone. Yeah, third but is a standalone. But four and five and then everything afterwards. I feel like the four and just, fives, yeah. Yeah. They're always a drag on. Yeah. But it's that, but that's but, like that with any any franchise. I know, this one included. Because like mm-hmm. I said, and we're, we're going to talk more about this as the movies go on, but... You know, when you try to come up, I think it's just because the fact that the first movie did so well, and they do this all the time with every movie, but if if an original movie concept is successful at the box office, Mm -hmm. the production studios give it a green light for a sequel in hopes that it will do just as successful as the first movie. Exactly. Which is never always the case. I mean, very rarely do we ever see a horror movie sequel that does better than the original true and it's like it's not it's never that good i just don't get why like like with this one they dragged it out for so long into like all these different sequels like the first one was fine yeah but the sequels were just totally terrible (laughs) yes without a doubt Mm -hmm. and then i have another fun fact and this is just an allegedly you know rumor but kim myers who played jesse's love interest was casted due to her resemblance of Meryl Streep. Uh, a little bit, maybe. I could see it. Like a younger Meryl Streep, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I not, could see not it. Not now. I mean, Meryl Streep's career is still going strong, but once she broke out into movies, she really broke out, and she became a really big name in the entertainment industry. Well, Meryl Streep, yeah. Like, back in the day, like, she was a big name, especially in the 80s, because she mm-hmm. did a tons of big films. So I guess that's what they were trying to maybe go for when they were looking for girls in the audition. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were trying to go for that Meryl Streep-like-esque. 
you know. Well, yeah, because she was popular at the time. Yeah, so they want something that's popular. So that's why they were looking for someone like that. You know, right. they're they're always doing that with films. They're always trying to look for a girl that seems like like this type of girl or that type of actress. You know. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about the makeup on Freddie, right? Mm-hmm. There's a little fact here on yeah. IMDb, but makeup effects artist Kevin Yeager replaced David B. Miller, who designed the Freddie makeup for the original. Jaeger only had a few pictures in the original film as reference, so he redesigned Freddy's look, which is why he looks so different in this one. Yeah, and that's why um, he looks so menacing, like scary. Studying pictures of burn victims, he made changes to Freddy's look, namely by bringing out the facial bones. He said his intent was to make Freddy look like a male witch and gave Freddy <laughs> red eyes... Red and amber eyes to make him more demonic looking. Which I like that. I remember there was a that scene in there. That is scary. Yeah. There was a scene in there where he first meets um, the kid in like close to the basement. And that's the scene where he said, you got the body and I got the brain. It was mm-hmm. a scene where they did a close up of, of Freddy. They uh, they kind of like shadow his face, but most, but, but widen his eyes, like lighten his eyes so you could only see the eyes. Yeah. But I thought that scene was just so... Ugh. It gave me chills. Yeah. Yeah, but... Is there yeah. anything else you want to talk about when it comes to the second film? Um, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of criticizing this film growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of, like... It was one of the... What? Yeah, it was, like, the one of the... They called it, like, the queerest movie of all time. Well... I mean, and there's nothing keep, wrong with that, of yeah, course. Yeah, keep in mind... Up until recent, like, in recent years, there has never been a whole lot of LGBTQ plus representation in horror films. Yeah. And even when they do, they're either a victim mm-hmm. or they're a killer, which is not really helpful, especially when you look in real life cases like Jeffrey Dahmer, who was a gay man who yeah. targeted other men. And was known as the cannibal of Milwaukee. I just don't want people to think like, we're being offending, which we're not. We're just we're not trying to be offending. We're no. not. I was even, hoping that that word like, would be all right to say, you know, like. But it does, in some mm-hmm. ways, it it is considered a LGBTQ sort of themed movie because mm-hmm. it does give off some innuendos of like between Jesse and his friend. And the director wrote the character like that as, yeah. the, as the movie went on. And even I think even Robert Englund said in some interviews, like when we were when they were making the movie, he's like, they would pitch us ideas for certain scenes mm-hmm. that were a bit homoerotic, yeah, which would have been very interesting. But again, I don't know if that's the kind of representation that would have been all right. Yeah, and and if you watch the Scream Queen documentary, you can you which, can see which that was a very good documentary. It's a good documentary, and everybody who like experienced working that movie all said like it's not a good like yeah. environment to be working in if it's you're a, a gay person. Unfortunately, it's very uncomfortable. For it it was sad to watch, but yeah. I mean that's it's a good documentary. I recommend people to watch if they want to get a better understanding of gay people or LGBTQ people in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry yeah. especially in horror and you know? that's why i felt like mark Patton was the bravest person i know yeah especially in that time period <laughs> when a lot of people like were like kind of like making like you know queer or gay people like very much like a witch hunt back yeah. then and i think that's the one thing i did not like about the 80s that that really hated on people like that yeah and then to move on or to close out this um conversation of Halloween, or Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I give this a personal rating of 2 out of 10. I know that's yeah. very harsh for me to say, but it's not my, again, I don't really enjoy horror uh, movie sequels. And I will give this movie a 5 out of 10. And I will let you know, going forward, um, I'm very stingy when it comes to giving out good reviews. <laughs> like, when I look through all of these in my blog journal... Like, I don't really have a whole lot of good, like, ratings for some of these. Except when we get to the last two movies, which will be in part two. But, going on. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors, released February 27th in 1987, has a runtime of an hour and 36 minutes. It was directed by Chuck Russell and has an IMDb score of 6.6 out of 10. It stars Patricia Arquette, Heather Langenkamp, 
Robert England, Craig Wasson, and Lawrence Fishburne. The synopsis goes, during a hallucinatory incident, young Kristen Parker has her wrist slashed by Freddy Krueger. Her mother sends her to a psychiatric ward where she joins a group of troubled teens. Nancy Thompson returns as the group's doctor and senses potential in Kristen to be rid of Freddy. Now, Colin, do you want to kick us off in this conversation? I will. Thank you, Aaliyah. <laughs> so, out, there's a thing that I've always heard with horror movies, especially franchises, is that the first one's always great. Mm-hmm. The second one sucks. And the third one, there's a hit or miss also. That it sucks mostly. Or that where there are a few movies that are really good as the third one. This one right here is one of those rarities of how good definitely a sequel could be, which is shockingly. And the third one, to me, has always been the best movie. I've actually... I, It's kind of weird for me because the first Nightmare movie I ever watched wasn't the first one. It wasn't, believe it or not. It was actually the third movie because I've always heard great things about this movie. And growing up as a kid, I used to watch... The Dream War... I Not watch. I used to listen to the Dream Warrior song by Dawkins. So that's what got me into this. You know, it makes so much sense, too. Because you do the same thing when we watch TV series. Yeah. Like, when you start a TV series, you don't just start from the beginning and work your way out. Like, I've been watching Big Bang Theory for the past (laughs) two weeks. I'm already on season 12. Oh, yeah. I've watched all episodes in order from start to finish. This motherfucker over here <laughs> will, like, go through all the episodes list, find the ones that he thinks are really fun to watch, and then goes completely out of order. And I'm like, but you miss, it. You, miss, you miss huge chunks of the story if you don't follow it. Because then, like, then we'll, like, like, okay, for example, oh my God. you watched an episode from season four, right? And yeah. then you hopped to, like, season seven, and then you're like... Well, when did these two get back together? And when did these two, like... Like, when did this person... I'm like, Colin, if you watch the whole thing in order, then you'll understand the fucking story. I don't know. I guess I'm an out-of-order type of guy, but I don't know. Yeah, but Um, then you come up with all these fucking questions that I have to answer for you. No, but you don't have to do it. I'm just... I don't know why I ask them. I mean... I don't have to, but I'm the only one in the room you seem to ask, so... Well, you're right there. If there was someone else there, I would ask them. But no. Um, but anyway, that's not the point. Let's get get off the bang beer, bang, uh, Big Bang Theory All subject. Right. Go back to your review on... All right. So I watched this movie, and yeah. just like the first one, I love this movie. If anything, I probably love this movie more because it adds so much more than what it did in the first one. There was definitely a lot more of a story to this one. Not it could, really. No, and it continues the story, especially how the second one was a different universe, it felt like. This, the third one mm. was kind of like a continuation with Heather coming back into the movie and her story. Well... They were trying to finish up on that. It's not quite like that because, like really? I said... You do that to me on here? Well, no, because listen, because the whole the whole connection between Jesse in the second movie to Nancy in the first one, he moves into her house. Well, yeah. Like, at that point in time in the story, Nancy is already upped and moved out of that house and she like i said she's a lone survivor of this series of attacks now that jesse's moved into his house and freddie has latched onto him like a fucking leech yeah like that's how the story continues Mm -hmm. this one is the same almost the same thing except kristen's not living in nancy's house she's dreaming about nancy's house which i like that and And nancy even explains in one of their meetings that the reason why he's targeting all these kids at the mental institution is because they are the last, like last the surviving la- yeah. children whose parents had attacked and killed. Cra- They're killed the last kids them. of the Nightmare on Elm Street Street, like the the Elm Street children. Yeah, but like I said, their parents in some way played a part in Freddy's death. That's why he's targeting them now. I was going to say, so all these parents. I was going to ask too. All these parents that killed freddy and they had these children and whatnot right did they all live on the same street like is that why probably because that's weird that's got that's gotta be a lot of houses on that street then if it's a whole bunch of these kids and then think of it this way if freddy was attacking kids solely on elm street but what was how how 
how long was he doing that for? Like, how many kids can you kill on one block? Yeah, was he before, waiting for more people, children to be coming out? Or? Yeah, before people started noticing. Yeah, I mean, could he just <clears> gone <throat> on another street and start killing other children on that street? Or he could have just gone around the entire town of Springfield, Illinois, and, like, just killed other kids in I mean, those neighborhoods. I mean, like, Nightmare on, in Springfield. I don't care, but, like... Didn't he also live on Elm Street, too? Did he? I don't know if he did or not. Huh. That's a good question, too. Because if he did, he's dumb. I'm just saying. <laughs> he's no, dumb? No. If he did, then he's dumb. Yeah, because oh, you, dumb. Yeah. You and I talked about this yesterday, too, when we were at my mom's house, because... Like it, like we said, today's Easter. We're recording this on Easter Day, mm-hmm. so we're a week late. But the day before, we were having an Easter celebration dinner with my mom. I cooked the food yes. this time around. Which was good. It was good, but I was in charge of carving up the ham. So I, I have my mom's electric knife, and I'm cutting and carving into the ham. Are you really going to talk about this one? Well, because <laughs> I was able to get as much meat off the bone... Like, to the point where when I got done, I held the bone up, and it had, like, a few scraps of meat on it. And I'm like, mm. Mom, what do you want me to do with this? And she's like, wow, you did a really good job of, like, carving the meat off. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, it's fun. You could be a murderer. Yeah, yeah she said you'd make a great serial killer one yeah. of these. I'm like, and Colin thinks that I couldn't get away with it. Oh, my God. First of all, I wouldn't kill you. I hope right? not. That's no. the part that I'm afraid of. Killing you would bring this thing too close to home i could get caught that's stupid yeah but you shouldn't even talk about how that you want to murder people don't do that but i'm just saying like that's stupid like that's how people get caught well if Aaliyah ever wants to think about murdering someone and actually go through with it this is how it happened through this recording and you hear the suspicions (laughs) like if i want to avoid suspicion off of me i wouldn't kill you you'd be too close to home i'd kill some random person miles away from my house that has no personal ties or connections to me. Well, you, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't even kill somebody out of revenge because, again, that could all be traced back to me. But honestly, don't kill anyone. Just relax. <laughs> like, Fine. It's Easter. Calm down. Fine. Yes, but anyway, let's get off the subject of wanting to kill people re- in reality. But no, let's talk about this movie. And um, I love this movie a lot because, just like the special effects, this one definitely has some great special effects. Like, my favorite scene is where um, the kid had these um, men, uh, marin- marinettes. He had, uh, he oh, had these the... marinette puppets. And yeah. he couldn't use actual wood or metal or whatever because... They were. If he did, then they they you know thought he would kill himself. Yeah, when you're in a like, psychiatric ward, you're never given any objects that could potentially be used to harm yourself. So for this film, when Freddy came to life <coughs> as one of the marionettes, they were using stop motion for his character for to, to be the puppet, and I thought that was well. Great. He also suffered from sleepwalking though too. Yeah, and so the killing scene with him turning that kid into a marionette mm-hmm. with using his like limbs or like. Guts, veins. His veins or guts or whatever to use as like you know strings. Mm-hmm. That was genius. I like that. I know everyone's favorite scene is the one where uh, the girl gets killed by Freddy in the TV. Yeah, but, I actually have that quote written down because yeah, this is this is the movie where we start to hear some of Freddy's quips. Yeah, this is when he started to become very whimsical and witty and becoming the uh, charismatic Freddy that we all know and love. Yeah, and I even wrote it down. Welcome to primetime, bitch. Like, Which that's a very I, popular quote. I love that one, because it was so, so funny when he was about to kill her. I didn't know he was going to say that when I first saw the film. And then when he said that, I laughed, because I thought that was just... It was ridiculous, but it was pretty heavy what he did to the girl. Yeah. Yeah, but it was still pretty funny, that quote. I, I still love that quote to this day. Yeah, and then I wrote down for my review... This was probably one of the better sequels of this franchise. Mm -hmm. It had a great cast of up-and-coming actors of the time, and Heather Langenkamp returns as an older Nancy. Unfortunately, this movie continued with its cheesy one-liners, and it kills off Nancy. Spoiler alert. Yeah, but the crazy part is Lawrence Fishburne is in this movie, and this was around the time when he played... um cowboy curtis in peewee's playhouse <laughs> which is kind of funny he can do he can do cowboy curtis and then he went from that to go into this film 
Mm. You even brought up an interesting fun fact before we jumped on the recording. Do you have that fun fact in front of you? I have it here. So it says, Fred, the Freddy glove was stolen from the set of this film and was found in another movie. It was hanging on the wall of a work shed in Evil Dead 2, released in 1987, released the same year. So it was part of a continued banter between directors Wes Craven and Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just that, thought that was interesting. And uh, when we went to uh, Scaracon a couple <laughs> years ago, we actually met the man who played Kincaid in the film. Yeah, there's and, actually another fun fact that, and on here. And he's a sweetheart of a man. He's he, a really nice guy. He is. I couldn't even see him after that film. Like I thought, I thought he would be doing horror films, but he. But getting to know him, I started thinking, man, he really doesn't seem like the type of guy who would be in a horror film. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go on, hon. Ken Segoe stated in an interview he really didn't want to audition for the role of Kincaid, but his agent talked him into going. Yeah. One day of the audition, or on the day of the, on, of the audition, he walked in heavy rain to catch a bus to the location. He showed up completely drenched and had to sit and wait for a few hours. Due to auditions running late, when it was his turn, director Chuck Russell told him, do whatever you want to do. Segoz was so frustrated and mad about the whole ordeal, he yelled, fuck you, and then proceeded to scream and curse out Russell. Russell immediately hired him. <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Yeah. You don't really get a job when you yell at people like that. Yeah, well, you'd be kicked out of the thing. But I guess right? in this situation, it was, like, perfect. Yeah. So, good job, um, King Cade. Mm-hmm. Or Ken. <laughs> yeah, he was a really nice guy. Yeah, no, I thought he was really nice. And you know what? If if he didn't do all that, he probably wouldn't have the <laughs> legacy that he has now. I just read another funny one. Uh, once after a tiring day on set, Robert Englund fell asleep in his dressing room, still in full Freddy makeup. I remember this. When he awoke and looked in the mirror, he got a terrible scare, which yeah. that is fucking hilarious. I probably would, too, if I was in that makeup. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But no, but I mean, um, I heard there was a lot of fun things or interesting things going on with this film. And, and you know what? It really kind of shows within the movie, too. Mm-hmm. I give this movie, personally, a 5.5 out of 10. Yeah, I well, I give this movie... Um, um, well, I've always loved this movie, so I definitely give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go on to part four? Yes. Okay. Let's go to that. Let's go to when it started getting worse. Uh, okay. What is this? The Dream Child? No, the Dream Master. Oh, the Dream Master, yes. So, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master, was released on August 19th, 1988, has a runtime of an hour and 39 minutes, was directed by Rennie Harlan, and has an IMDb score of 5.7 out of 10. It stars Robert Englund, Lisa Wilcox, Tuesday Night, Danny Hassel, and Andreas Jones. What a great name, Tuesday Night. Like... (laughs) 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 that's all i could think of i just realized that too i'm like where's wednesday morning where where was she in this film okay the synopsis goes child murderer freddy krueger returns to haunt and kill yet another group of teenagers in their dreams which by the way i want to explain to people if you've seen this movie or not it's the ridiculousness of how Freddy came back in this fourth movie. Basically, he got buried into the ground in, in a car lot in the third movie with this. And mm-hmm. in the fourth movie, he comes back during a dream, during Kincaid's dream, and literally had his dog with him. The dog was becoming possessed in the dream and pissed on the grave of Freddy. And that's how kind of like magic piss brought back Freddy. Freddy? Magic Dog P brought Freddy Krueger back to life. I did not understand Which, that. I thought I thought it was humorous, but it was dumb. It's again, it's an uh, and I even can I let me just I'm going to use this to segue into my review really quick because it's a very brief one, but once again, creative death scenes, but again, the writers came up with a very unrealistic way to bring Freddy back and haunt yet another group of teens as always. Uh, yes. It's just... The, we, the <laughs> franchise has to come to an end at some point. And it doesn't. It could have ended as a trilogy. It oh, could have. Yeah. But it did not need to go on for another five fucking movies. But unfortunately it did. I just, I'm just so annoyed. I'm yeah. just annoyed. 
But you go ahead and you give me your review on the movie itself. My review on this movie is... <clears throat> I've you know growing up there are certain aspects of these movies I do like but in the re- in reality and my honesty about these movies they suck they really do yeah I this mean, is where it kind of starts to go down this is when it. they started becoming more comedies than they are horror mm-hmm. you know especially with certain aspects of how they die or how Freddy comes back to life or how he dies or how he says things in the movie like this is when they were like you know what he had some good one-liners in the third movie and i guess the people who were writing this film they're like let's do more one-liners for freddy especially for death scenes that would be perfect for him to come up with some of the worst cheap like um um, uh, corny ass lines ever heard can we also talk about how problematic one of these characters is which one um what's her face's brother Oh, the Karate Kid? Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about how fucking... I love him because like, he's ridiculous, but oh my god. It's just another traditional white boy getting into other cultural like well, yeah. aspects that they have no business being a part of. Well, this was at the time when Karate Kid 2 came out, and that movie and was so popular... That movie was so popular that they culminate that into other things, including this movie. But that makes it even worse! White kids loving karate. What? What In the 80s, what's better than that, you know? <laughs> like... Yeah, this makes it even worse. <laughs> no, but bad, bad enough that again, a white kid having no reason to be getting that heavily into. He looked like a punk Asian kid. culture. Yeah, yeah he, he looked, looked like, like a punk kid, but was punk like rocker that liked he had Asian a whole, culture. Yeah, he had a whole bedroom with like geese and samurai swords and all this other like. And he was, Shit, he pr- had no use possessing. Yeah, and he was rebellious, definitely towards his father. And he was, like, being very, like, cute with him. And he'd be like, oh, father, and kisses him on the face. And his father's like, what's wrong with this boy? Like, he I had hate that, it. I hate it. I think it was hilarious because I, I feel like in some ways, I feel like I'm that kid. But, except I'm and not then, karate. And then it did the <laughs> same thing in this one that it did in the last one. It kills off the sole survivors from mm-hmm. the last movie. And then passes the torch to some poor unsuspecting person who has no idea what they're going up against and is now like in charge of renegating their their group of friends into taking on this entity they know nothing about. So I want to talk about for a couple minutes here. I want to okay. talk about in my opinion the death scenes. Like in the especially in I think the one that made me laugh the most is the 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 waterbed scene where it was one of the original dream warriors who was one of the last ones to die and i think he was like second right yeah it was joey he looks like nev campbell's brother like you see those two they look related but they're not related you know what let me look at it no he's not related his last name is eastman but anyway so anyway so i see this stream and the girls in the waterbed with like full-on titties and everything and Freddy pops out of nowhere, and he's like, how's this for a wet dream? And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I'm like, like, wow. Can we not? Can That <clears throat> that one-liner to me got to me. Like, that one was always stuck in my head for the rest of my life after that. How's this for a wet dream? Especially how he holds his face and how he kind of looks like he's kind of, like, sexualizing the situation. And then oh, he goes wow. and he murders him in the water. And... Mm-hmm. And then the mother opens up the blanket, and there's his son. And you know what? She doesn't even think of, like, how did he get inside the thing to be killed? All she just, like, screams out in horror. She doesn't think of, like, how did how did this happen? Like, I would have been like that. I mean, I would have been worried and freaked out and stuff, but then I would be thinking, why are you stuck in this like this? Like, how did you get in it? Right. But, and then here's another thing, too. Um, another death scene. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm not going to talk about the one that just yet, the one I was talking to you about earlier. The another one is the little girl with the braces and the glasses and she, she was, didn't have braces. She uh, had asthma. Asthma, that's right. That's what she had. She had asthma and I that think, one was that one was like fucked. Like I yeah. like especially when Freddie was like time to suck and I'm like, "Oh my god, Freddie, how old are you?" I know, that's hey, terrible. Are you doing these to high school kids? I'm like, oh my god, and just and the way that she was like the 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 animation <coughs> or the special effects of her just like getting sucked and stuff, mm-hmm. and then she turns into this like boned corpse with little skin. It's like fucking horrifying. And the one th- and the one thing I've noticed with all the killings, every time that every kid got killed, 
mm-hmm. uh, the the main girl would see these in her visions. I'm reading these fun facts and they're making me mad. This was mm-hmm. the highest grossing entry in a Nightmare on Elm Street That is film, true. Mm-hmm. Not counting Freddy vs. Jason, which we are counting it. Yes, okay. which, which, by the way, this movie was like, I, I mean, it was one of the worst movies after Dream Wars, but it was higher grossing than Dream Wars because everyone yeah. was super excited about seeing another Freddy movie. It earned $49 million in the U.S. That's crazy, right? It is crazy. Especially how poorly reviewed it is, but it was only the reason why was because no one didn't see the movie yet. Everyone was anticipating it because they loved Dream Warriors so much. So they wanted to see this movie. That's why. Then once everyone went to go see the movie in the theater and watched it, that's when people were like, oh, like, this is mm-hmm. it? Like, yeah, it was like that type of feeling. But here's another kill that I want to talk about. Hmm. The worst one I hate, the cockroach one. I which, thought that was in the next movie. Oh, it's not in the fourth? Is it in the fourth? I think it's in the I fourth. I thought it was in the fourth. Let it's me, in the fourth. You, you talk about something else. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, but no, literally that movie is just like, what was I going to say? Fuck. Well, like the, okay, so the brother for the karate fight scenes in that dream thing was horrible. I hated that, but, but it was still entertaining. It was fun. And I think the thing that I did like for the most part, it was like after the brother died, it kind of freaked me out when she was at his funeral. I don't know if this was a dream or not. I think it was, but the brother comes out of the casket and talks to her. And I'm like, that would have freaked me the fuck out if I saw my brother did some shit like that. Remember you mentioned that Rodney Eastman and Ken Sagos were killed off in the beginning? Yeah. They wanted larger parts in this film and were shocked to find out that they were killed off in the beginning. Well, yeah, because they only had their purpose for a short time, you know? Right. And that's what happens. You know, they're trying to keep the movie going. They're not trying to overlap it or anything or else it's just going to really drag on, you know, especially those characters, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, as long as Nancy's not around anymore, so there's no use for those other characters in the third movie anymore. But they kind of do that with every film. Like, in the fourth people going into the fifth film... Some of them were going into that, died suddenly too. But we'll talk about that in the, la- in the last uh, mentions here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but come on, honey. You got something to say? Yeah, I can't find that scene in this one. I think it might be in the next movie. Okay, well, I'm sorry to spoil everyone about the cockroach scene. <laughs> so. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about the fourth movie? Um, You know what? I mean, to think about it, it's a good film, but it's... Very bad. I mean, it's one of those films that's good, but I think it's it's one of those films that's as bad, but it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was a lot of movies like that back in the 80s, and I think that's what I like about um, horror 80s films, because they're so good, but they're bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's some great one-liners, there's some great kills, there's some bad one-liners, there's some bad kills, and this is... It's all entertain, entertaining. And that's why I think that's what horror movies are. Whether it's good or bad, it's all entertaining. <clears throat> Yep. So, yes. Other than that, I'm good to go. And do you want to do the last film now, or do you have anything to say about the fourth film? It's not, again, it's not my favorite. I don't really particularly care for it. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Yeah. I I just didn't really (laughs) care for it. I give Um, this movie a 5 out of 10, too. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Freddy's Revenge bad. But it's still. But I do bad. like the girl who stars in this. The girl who is the um, kind of like the Nancy into this next one. Mm-hmm. I've, there's always a Nancy in each of these films. The red hair. The red hair. Alice. Yeah, the red hair. Yeah, yeah she's Alice. really. Yeah, she's cool. Like, she was a nice, soft, sensitive girl, in like the beginning of this film, she was like a little more scared. But then after that, she oh, becomes wait. the brave one. You were right. I knew it! About that ro- that cockroach scene? I knew that cockroach scene was in the fourth film. God, I'm sorry, everyone. You know, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, you were right. It's Her name is Debbie. Yeah, and she was the workout girl. She was the one that yeah, liked to was, work out she in was this the, film. She was the edgy one who liked to work out and stuff. Yeah, that's hot. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was, yeah, she's the one who likes to work out, and she's the one who's not afraid, except for cockroaches or insects. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny though? The toughest person in the world that's not afraid of anything is afraid of goddamn insects. 
But mm-hmm. that's just how I feel about this. So anyway, should we go on to the next film then? Sure. Um, I do want to stress, though. Oh, God, don't stress. This 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 film does contain themes of sexual assault and rape. Just to trigger warn yeah. everybody. Um, it's not fun. I don't. No one likes that, no. It's not, no, I'm not saying that to be like a joke, but I'm just saying yeah. like, if that's not a topic that you guys are comfortable listening to, I would just probably skip towards the end because this is, this will be the last one that we cover for this episode. Yeah. And then next week we'll go into episode or movies six through nine. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, was released August 11th, 1989, has a runtime of an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, Stephen Hopkins is the director and has an IMDb score 5.2 out of 10. It stars Robert England, Lisa Wilcox, Kelly Jo Minter, David, Dan Hassel, and Erica Anderson. Mm-hmm. And the synopsis goes, after surviving the event from the last installment, Alice tries to move on with her life with her boyfriend and fellow survivor, Dan. After graduating from high school and finding out she's pregnant, Dan mysteriously dies and Alice suspects Freddy has returned. Yeah. Now, this one gives me a headache. This one's... Alright, for me, this one's fucking weird. It is. It is. It is. Here's the thing. Any any horror movie that surrounds a, a, a pregnant woman where her unborn child is, like, in danger... And that's the part that really made me weird out it, by this one. It's just very odd. It's an odd yeah. story to well, kind of, like... Yeah. I don't know. It's an odd story to go off of. It's kind of scary too, especially and, with the baby who's being in the in the womb, and Freddy's trying to go after it too. Yeah, Ugh. that's the thing that, that like annoys me because it's like, out of all the possible scenarios you could have written for Freddy to return, I I just don't think that this was something that needed to be a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just yeah. But it does. I will say this though. The fact that we get something of a background of Freddy Krueger's life before he became a serial killer is interesting. Mm-hmm. And the whole notion that Freddy came to be because his mother, Amanda Krueger, was a nun working at an insane asylum who was sexually assaulted by a number of inmates. Mm-hmm. It, it's... It, explains a, thousand, a lot yeah by a thousand maniacs or a hundred maniacs well i mean it explains a lot but at the same time you know he would go to school and then when kids found out about his past that's where they came up with the nickname son of a thousand maniacs and it almost makes sense and you know it's just it's it's an interesting concept to go by you didn't need to bring that whole main plot of alice being pregnant and freddie trying to use her unborn child to get reborn in a way and back into the world it's mm-hmm. just it's weird it's almost like rosemary's baby it's kind of an odd way of writing a story that didn't need to be a thing i think that's what they were trying to go for for this kind of have a little bit of a rosemary baby influence yeah but it's except except it's not a devil baby so that's for sure i know but it's just so it's not the son of the devil but yeah it's not a storyline that affects me it just annoys me. But I think you know? what they were trying to go for this movie, like, the film's generally tone is much darker yeah, than the other films. And, like, from what I read here, there's a blue filter lighting technique is used in most most of the scenes. Mm-hmm. That's what they were going for. And also, I found out another thing. It is one of the final slasher films released in the 1980s. Hmm. Yeah, because this film was, you know, released in August 11th of I just said that. I know, but I'm just agreeing with what you said. So it was one of the last horror movies to be, you know, released in the 80s. Isn't that crazy, though? Yeah, and I think we even mentioned this one at one point in time, but Stephen King and comic book writer Frank Miller were offered the job of writing and directing this movie. Yeah. How fucking cool that would have been would much it have, better it, it would have been so much better than what they had came up with yeah and when i re- when i found this out i was like why the hell could they not do this for the movie mm-hmm. it would have been so much better why did they not think of that yeah 
I I just makes me so mad. Yeah, and this movie it was still a success in the box office, but it only grossed up to twenty two point one million in the box office compared to the other two films, mm-hmm. uh, the previous films, so Dream Warriors and Dream Master. Oh, I found out now. I'm just reading it. The idea of focusing the story around children and birth was hatched by executive producer Sarah Risher. Hmm who was a new mother at the time and constantly had her child and its well-being on her mind. The crew decided to build off this idea off because because they felt that teenagers and 20-somethings who were, fran- who were fans of the original film were beginning to reach the age where they were likely thinking about settling down and having families. This incorporating elements of family and birth into the film would keep the franchise relevant and special for fans of earlier entries. That makes sense. I don't really think. Again, not my not something I would go for. It's not my cup of tea. Really, really isn't. isn't. Something like this doesn't phase me all that much, Mm-mm. and I don't think it's a good plot point for the story. Yeah, probably not. And I I get what they were going for though at the time of its release. That's what a lot of people were doing back then. Yeah. Just not for, something for me. Would you say, though, that knowing some of this information now, if another horror movie remake or even a horror movie remake sequel of Nightmare on Elm Street were made, would you, would you do it a little bit different? Yeah, I would do it. I probably would not do the whole child thing. Yeah. You know, like, I get it. Like, you know, they thought this was a good idea at the time, but you know what? I could do something way different with this than that. Yeah, like, again, get Stephen King and Frank Miller on the phone yeah. and say, hey. I, I know got, him. I, got, I can call him. Like, <laughs> like, hey, I want to make, I want to make, I want to do what Dream Child didn't do and put you two on the bill because this is, this is going to be a fucking Besides, trip. Frank Miller is a genius in, co- in, in comics, you know, comics, you know, books and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. Stephen King is a one horrifying fucker. So, and he's a creepy fuck, too. So, I feel like he's he could... He's a great do, fucking writer. He, that's the thing, though. He's a great writer. So, I feel like yeah. he could come up with something with Freddy for for the film. I personally gave this movie uh, a 4.2 out of 10. I, I don't get... I, don't want to give it anything yeah i don't i don't don't want to either but i mean i've had i have other movies in this book that have gotten worse scores than that i I love that he says to his mother who's a nun in this and he says to his mother he's like we'll see bitch we'll see i'm like damn that's how you talk to your mom like that's not cool well (laughs) yeah yeah i'm like i mean well then again he wasn't (laughs) raised right and yeah yeah anyway little bastard anyway that is the end of part one for this speed review franchise i know that was a little quicker than i expected well we're at like an hour long stretch that's you know? fine i feel like we haven't done an hour long show like this in quite a while yeah so it's kind of nice it's nice to have this you know kind of discussion yeah. like i said i want to do more of these and i know the the fun facts are really fun mm-hmm. the trivia is also a good way to kill time yeah um but I definitely want to do more of these. We will. And uh, I def- we're definitely going to do a part two to the Nightmare series. Yeah. Like, we're going to finish this recording, and then we're going to hop back on to do part two. So you'll get part one this week, and then part two next week. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that should be fine. But anything else you want to say to our viewers <clears throat> or our listeners? I understand that uh, for a lot of horror fans, Nightmare on Elm Street is one of the best it's like up there in the top tiers of horror movie franchises. Yeah, but even with I its also, best, they're still not perfect either. But I understand too why people like Freddy Krueger as a horror movie villain than oh, yeah. others. I personally don't see the appeal. <sighs> I just don't. I'm sorry, guys. I like Michael Myers more. Oh, That's shit. my favorite. Oh yeah, you like the silent types. Here's the thing: when you look at my desk right now, I've got Funko Pops everywhere. I've got a huge one in the middle of Michael Myers. Do you see Freddy Krueger up here? No. You've got Michael Myers front and center. You've got Candyman to the left, Chucky and Sam from Trick or Treat on the right, and then panning over further to the left or right, you've got Leatherface. I've got two different Jack Skellingtons. I've got Morticia Adams. I've got Jareth and Sarah from Labyrinth. And then down here in the bottom, Funko Pop. I, even I if I found there was him, one, you have to find them online. Honestly, yeah. can't find them in the stores. That's lame. No, not unless you go online. Like if you go on the Fye website, maybe you can find a Freddy Krueger one. <laughs> or if you go on any like Funko Pop merch base website, 
Mm. <coughs> yeah, I guess I get that. But yeah, other than that, um, hey. so are you good with everything? Yeah, I mean, I get it. Again, I get it. I just don't see the appeal. Well, I'll just let you have that then. Yeah. But anyway, though, so, uh, before we go, what would you like? iTunes, Overcast, iHeartRadio. We're now on Amazon Music. Yeah, we are. We are? Yeah. When did we get on that? Uh, when I sent our RRS feed to Amazon, and oh. they confirmed us, and yeah, now we're on Amazon. Nice, now we're Amazon people. Now we're on Amazon, and... I'm going to be an Amazon the webs- woman. The website is up and running, and I just posted my first horror movie review blog on that website. So if you guys want to go check it out, go check out our website. I'm going to try to post links that you can click on and check out the website if yeah. you'd like to. But yeah, I'm really happy that that's coming along. I will be posting more blogs in the coming weeks. But yeah, so far we're getting the ball rolling on that, and I'm really excited. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's it. Follow us on social media. Yep, follow us there. Yep. And other than that, this has been uh, an episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Leah. Signing off saying welcome to Primetime Bitch. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.